0: welcome to the podcast let the prophet speak today we continue our study of the book of joshua the sefer Yehoshua, <clears throat> and we uh will study chapter 15 today that's parik tes <clears throat> um <clears throat> the uh Yehoshua in uh, has in the last few chapters been delineating the properties which were inherited by the different tribes uh and we have just went over the uh, boundaries of uh, the the tribes that had to receive their portions on the east side of the Jordan that was Ruvain, Gud, and half of the Shevet Manasseh. Today we are going to go into a little more detail of the boundaries of the tribes of uh, of the tribe of, Yehudah, of Ju- Judah of um, Judah. I'm not going. I'm going to read through this quickly because I'm not going to describe all the place names. However, there are there is there are some interesting narrative events in this chapter that we will um, we will stop and spend a little more time on. And there's also a couple of points that I'll make as we go through. But um, the list of place names are not the most exciting part of this book. But it's here, so we're going to read it. Uh, those that are interested in looking you know, through the, all the place names and going through the boundaries and the maps, there are resources uh, out there available for that, but I'm not going to go through that. Vayihi Hagorol. this is verse 1, and the portion that was given to the tribe of the sons of Judah, according to their families, was as follows. Edom from the boundary of Edom, mid in the wilderness of tin Negba on the south side, Mikzei on the side of, of, of uh, Taman which is uh, modern day of Yemen, but it doesn't mean Yemen here. Taman uh, throughout uh, Tanakh uh, always means the southward. By Hilahem Negev and on the south uh, border was Mikzei at the edge of the Dead Sea, Minhalashon ha Negba, from the um, tongue uh, of land that points out into the Dead Sea southward. Um, this uh, tongue existed until um, uh, <clears throat> not long ago, and within many of our lifetimes, uh, but it, uh, as the Dead Sea, unfortunately, very sadly, because uh, of various reasons, has been drying up, uh, the the tongue that split the Dead Sea into the north and south portion isn't really a prominent feature anymore. But it's mentioned here in the book of Joshua, it used to be a prominent feature that there was like a tongue of land that stuck out into the sea pointed slightly southward, um, and it divided the sea into two portions. And the border went um, from the su- southern side uh Up the Maale Akrabim, the Akrabim ascent, the Ovarcina, and it passed by Tzin, the me Inegibl Kadesh Barnea. Then it went south of Kadesh Barnea, the Abarchetzon, the Ol Adorav, and also and it went towards this direction, that direction. I'm not translating all the cities. The Abar Atzmona, then it went through Atzmona, the Yatsa Nachal the Wadi of Egypt, um Hayutots Osaq Volyama, and the. um the end of the boundary ended <coughs> at the Mediterranean Sea. This is the southern border. On the east side, it was the Dead Sea. Until the edge of the Jordan River. In other words, the northern edge of the Dead Sea. And the boundary began at the tongue Of the sea, which we referred to before from the edge of the Jordan. Beit it went to this, the town of Beit Khagla, and then north of Beitarava, Vyalahagvol, Evan Bohan, Ben Ruvain. Then it went to the stone of Bohan the son of Ruvain. Uh, this was a, apparently some, a prominent geologic feature, a large stone that was named after Bohan the son of Ruvain. Uh, it's not exactly clear who this. Uh, uh, you know what the significance was, but everyone knew this as that stone, and it was a boundary marker. Then it went towards devir meimekahar from the valley of Ahar, which uh, we talked about before. The valley of Ahar, that was where the Achan um, <coughs> episode in Yericho took place, um, uh, who took from the bounty and was ended up being executed. Vitzafonah ponal gilgal. Then it turned towards the Gilgal, which is where. The camp of Joshua was in the beginnings of the periods of war was at the Gilgal Ashernochakl Ma'ala adumim, which is opposite Ma'ale Adumim. It's probably somewhere in the environs of modern day town of Ma'ale Adumim, Asher Minegevlanachal, which is south of the Wadi. And then the battery went from this place of ein Shemesh and then it went out to Eil The Alagvul gave Ben to the valley of Ben which is um, a valley adjacent to Jerusalem. Al Kesafay to the Jebusite shoulder, which is the uh, the boundary of the Jebusites. He which is known as Jerusalem at the time. Uh, uh, as we'll see later the Jebusites still resided in Jerusalem because Jerusalem wasn't conquered from the Jebusites until the day of of the Eusimah until the days of King David several hundred years in the future. And then the boundary went to the top of the mountain, which is uh, uh, facing uh, the valley of Hinnom towards the west, which is at the edge of the valley of the Refaim, which is in the north. And then the boundary turned towards the fountain of uh, the, presumably uh, the spring of Main Neftoach el har Arim, and then it turned toward the town of Ba'Alah, which is also known as Kiryat Yarim. and then the boundary went from Ba'Alah Yama westward to Har towards the mountain of Sayer v'yaver el Kesef Arim, and went to the slopes of. The mountain of Yaramitzafona it's to its north, which is Kassalon v'yarim bechemech v'yabar timna I'm at verse eleven now. I'm sorry that this isn't so exciting, but uh, we'll get to some more exciting parts soon. V'yatsa agvul al it went towards the north. Vitar agvul shekrona then went towards Shekron. V'yabar har v'yatsa yavneel v'ayutot. It's also yama. Then it ended at the at the sea. Agvul hayam hayama gadol and the sea itself was the boundary. The, this the western boundary of and this was the boundaries of the sons uh, of the descendants of Yehuda all around, all around according to their families. and that's how it was divided up. Okay, so we just laid out all of the boundaries of the, of the inheritance of Yehuda very clearly. <clears throat> Within these boundaries lies the city of many cities, but also the city of Hebron that's Hebron. And uh, last chapter we read of the importance of this uh, in our story here, because uh, Cal- Caleb or Kalev, Joshua's colleague from the back in the spy days, um, <coughs> uh, was awarded Hebron. He he came forward and asked that Joshua make sure that he receives as his portion. Remember, Kalev was uh, on the, of the tribe of Yehuda, and his portion was that town of Hebron. Okay. So, verse 13, and to Caleb, the son of Jephuna, or Caleb, the son of Yephuna, He received a portion within the people of Yehuda, El Pia as God had commanded Yehoshua, at Kiryat Arba, the the town of Kiryat Arba, the town of Arba. Avihah Anak, and who is Arba Arba was the the ancestor of the giants. He Chevron, which is also and this place is also known as the town of Chevron. And remember that Yehoshua had told Kalev that he can have that portion, but it's his job to conquer it. So, and Kalev had mentioned that I'm a strong, even though I'm an elderly man, I'm able to go out to war. And we're about to read here. That Vayoresh, Misham, Kalev, and Kalev um, uh, <coughs> um, dislodged, I, I see that translation is a good word, from that place, at Slosha B'neha three of the children of the giants, these were descendants of Arba, who was the father of the giants. Descend uh, probably the forefather, you know, not necessarily the father, but maybe the grandfather or great grandfather or whatever, the forefather of the giants, which after whom the town of Kiryat Arba <coughs> was named. <coughs> and these three descendants were now living there, and they were apparently still very tall, large people. They were called the Anok. Et Sheshai, the Talmai. These were their names. Yilidei anak who were born of descendants of the families of the giants. But so so Kalev did his job and he conquered the area in order to settle it for him and his family. Vayal misham el Devir. And then Kalev continued to conquer other areas surrounding Hebron. So he went to the the town of Devir, which is nearby, he went from the town of Kiryat Arba. Then he went to Devir v'Shem Devir him, Kiryat Sefer, and the name of the town of Devir used to be called Kiryat Sefer, um, which is the uh, uh, the town of Sefer. Um, the uh, the um, so Vayomer Kalev. So, but he had apparently he had difficulty. Maybe his age was finally catching up to him. But Kalev had some difficulty in conquering this town. And uh, Vayomer Kalev, and Kalev said, Whoever can strike Kiryat Sefer and capture it, I will give him my daughter Aksa in marriage as a wife. That would be the reward for he who captures um, Kiryat Sefer. Um, And uh, Aksa is... as as a, a strong outspoken uh, um, woman and we're about to read of a little story about her which is uh, very interesting in many ways so Vayil kidat atniel ben so the the uh, brother of Kalev who his name was atniel ben Kanaz now what it means exactly brother would some say he could have been a brother from a mother is one uh, understanding because if, if, if he's a son of Kenaz and Kalev was the son of Yifu now on the surface it doesn't seem like they shared the same father. But Ben could also mean descendant of Kenaz which is more common and that would which make him in the Kenizi clan um, <clears throat> of Judah so he's a brother in the sense that he's uh, closely related maybe a cousin or something like that. So, Atniel ben Kenaz successfully captured the town, the area of Kiryat Sefer, and he then, Kalev then uh, gave Aksa, his daughter, to Atniel as a wife. So, it was when she came, presumably to him, in other words, when she came and joined him in marriage, she was apparently not happy with the portion that she had received in Kiryat Sefer, for, which was supposed to be for the sustenance of her family. So, um, and we'll see why she wasn't happy with this portion in a moment. So, vatisi tehu, and she tried to, and she convinced him, she tried to convince him, in other words, atniya, lish'ol of aviyasada. She worked to ask from her father a field Another field, And we'll, again, we're going to see in a moment what she didn't like and why she wanted another field. So she did what uh, many women would do is in those days. They talk to their husband and have their husband talk to Kalev, to the father and say, "You know, listen, you talk to him and you get it. Um, um, get this problem fixed and get us another field, because this one is not good." But apparently Atniel was reluctant to do so. So she was trying to convince him to do it, but he didn't step up to the plate. He wasn't willing. Maybe he was afraid of Kalev. Maybe he was thinking, well, listen, I got this field. I got a wife. That's enough. I can't ask more. But she wasn't content with that. So she said, enough. I'm going to do it on my own. And literally that means "And she came down from her donkey. Uh, We have similar... Uh, places where, um, where, uh, uh, we remember that in Rebecca when she came to Isaac, or Rivka when she came to Yitzchak, also came down from her donkey to, uh, but here it's, it's like, um, she, it's, it's a sign of, of, of assertiveness. Uh, she got off her donkey and went to talk to her vayomerla, and she went to talk to her father. Now she presented herself in front of her father, I'm going to do this myself. So she got off her donkey and walked up, uh, up to him and said, um, uh, and, and asked, made a request, vayomerla, Kalev. So when Kalev saw her approach, he said to his daughter, Malach, what is it? What's the issue? What, why are you coming to me? And she said, To li biracha. I want you to give me blessing. In other words, you gave me a crummy field. I want a good field. I want a field, baracha, blessing, me. In, in this context means bounty, one that can produce good good um, produce. I want a field that I can use to support my family that's gonna grow well, that it's gonna bring forth a lot of produce. Ki Eretz Negev You gave me a very dry land. Now Negev means like the southern, type of land you know, the Negev is desert as we know so basically what you're saying is you gave me a dry parched land it's as bad as desert what can i raise here vinatato mayim i want you to give me springs of water a place where water flows <clears throat> uh, so, so that i can so that i can grow crops that i can have a you know it, it's, it's, this is not acceptable this is not acceptable to give me this this uh, field Vayitentla et gulot iliot and Kalev responded by giving her the uh, Gulot Iliot. Gulot it would, um, <clears throat> it's hard to translate, but in this context, it clearly means a place where water flowed. The upper pla- field with springs, Veit, Gulot Tachliot, and the lower field of springs. So he responded to her request. It's questionable whether this is in addition to what he had already given her so that she could water everything, or instead, that's not made clear in the verse. This From there's, there was no criticism at all of Achsa for doing this. Um, Even uh, this is, you know, it's it's uh, the the episode is kind of mentioned in passing, but this is a very important um, uh, piece here because here you have a woman who was, you know, lived in a time when when it was acceptable for the father just to give her away, give the daughter's hand in marriage to somebody. Uh, very different from the concepts and ideas of marriage that we have today. But uh, dis- despite uh, the world that she lived in, this was a-, a woman who was willing to stand up for herself uh, when her husband wasn't willing to do the 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 dirty work, so to speak. Uh, when he didn't have the guts, she did. And this is a very um, uh, important lesson. And it's one that, we are going to see repeated with another uh other other women in Joshua and to hang in there for the not not in today's chapter but in the future we're going to see some more stories about women who stood up for themselves and 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 uh, and succeeded um so uh <clears throat> that is the uh, narrative portion we're going to go back to some more um lists of Places. Now, if you remember when we listed the uh, portions of Reuven and Gad and half Manasseh, we first went through all the borders, just like we did with Judah. We went through all the borders, you know, how the boundary is drawn. And then we mentioned all of the cities within it. So now we're about to mention the cities within it. Again, I'm not going to do much translation here. Right? Verse 20, This was the portion. Of the tribe of the sons of Yehuda, according to their families, what the cities that were um, at the end, all, you know on the outskirts of Judah's portion, Edom, which was towards the boundary of Edom and by in the south. If you were following before, you would know that Gul Edom was the edge southern edge. So some of those cities are Kavza el V Eder Vyagur, Vikina, Vidimona, V Ad Oda, Vikedesh, Vikhatzor, V Zif, Vetelamu V Alot, Vikhatzor, Khadata, Ukuryot, Khatron, Hihatzor, Amom, Ushima, Umolada, Vahatsar Gada, Vaheshmon, Ubait Polet, Vachatsar Shua, Er Sheva, Some of these cities bear Shevas, for example, Khatzar, these are towns that were. Familiar with their locations, a lot of them we don't know. And there were twenty-nine cities. That's one region of the portion of Yehuda. Um, <coughs> there's another list: Bashafela and the lowlands were the following cities: Eshtool vitzarav v'ashnov yarmut and those are fourteen cities plus the surrounding villages around them, <coughs> and then the following cities: Tinnon, Vachadashov, Migdal God, Vidalon, Vihametzbevi, Yockteila, Lochish, Uvatzkat, Vieglon, Vechabon, Velahmos, Vechidlish, Ugederotz, Beitaglon, Venaamo, Maqueda. Maqueda was a famous town which we've talked about before. Um, uh, and these were 16 in that region. And then the, the next region. That's that region. The nine cities. and its villages, surrounding villages. Now we're already on the shore of the Mediterranean uh, near the town of Ashdod, and around there, and Ashdod, Benosea Vachatsirea, and then Ashdod and its cities, and Aza, that's Gaza, with Benosea Vachatsirea, and its cities and towns, Ad Nachal until the, the wadi of Egypt, V'hayom HaGadol, V'givol, and the boundary was the sea, and then as we move up towards the hills, Uvahar Shamir, ViAtir V'sochov, V'danol V'keryatsanahi Devir which we just discussed earlier 11 cities which we just discussed which was caleb's portion of the that's 9 cities karmel that's six cities: Chalchul, Beit Beit Anotviel, Tukon. Arim Sheish of Chatsreya. That six cities: Kiryat baal He Kiryat Ya'arim, which is the town of Ya'arim. Viharabah, Arim Shteim. Those are two cities of Chatsreya. midbar and towards the wilderness: Beit Taharava, Bidin Ussuchacha, Vihanivshan, Vihir Hamelach, and the city of Salt. Now we're in the environs of the Dead Sea. We moved from the sea all the way over to the east. Now vi engedi and in Gedi Aram Okay, so <clears throat> we listed all the cities. I know that was a long list, uh, so, uh, but um, that what's interesting about this is, is that we're going to find that uh, when we list uh, in the next chapters other tribal portions, uh, we're not going to go through such a, a detailed list. The, the, the Tanakh is, is focusing and zeroing in on the tribe of Yehuda. Um, and as we know, as the history progressed, the tribe of Judah became the dominant one and certainly in the south and then eventually the only remaining uh, the uh, significant tribe um, and the land of Judea became uh, the re- only remaining country as the 10 tribes eventually uh, this uh, became the northern kingdom and eventually started to break up and were eventually destroyed and as of yet uh, never to be restored. Um, so there's much more focus on the tribe of Judah um, than on the other tribes and now, and here's, here's uh, uh, the last verse and we're going to talk a little bit about this one and the Jebusites, those that resided in Jerusalem lo the people of Judah were not able to get rid of them were not able to, um, to dislodge them or dispossess them Va'yeshiv Hayavusi and the Jebusites remained living at Bnei Yehuda by together with the people of Judah in Jerusalem Arayomazel until this day. Now we know that the the uh, leadership, the the um, the sovereignty over Jerusalem remained in the Jebusite hands until the days of David. Arayomazel would seem to indicate that even past uh, the the takeover of Jerusalem in terms of uh, the government. By David, uh, but Aryel Mazer would mean that the Jebusites themselves remained in Jerusalem, and um, I'm going to posit here that part of it is lo yahu, they were not able. There's several ways to understand that. One is they could not because they tried, but they were just too strong. Um, another way that Chazal understand, and this is brought by Rashi, is is that is that they they wanted to, but they couldn't because of because they had made an agreement with them. And uh, the agreement that Chazal the Rabbis referred to is that the answers of these Yevusi, of these Jebusites, were, um, were they were actually descendants of Avimelech. And Abraham, back in those days, had made a promise to Avimelech and his descendants. But if, if, if that's the case, then you have to say that the term Yevusi here doesn't refer to Jebusites. It refers to to, um, uh, to just uh, another uh, family name that they had. But... Um, I, I, the and uh, a third understanding and i think that as we go through joshua this will become make more and more sense and that is just, remember uh, if if we understand that they were obliged to offer peace terms first then it's very possible that the reason why the jebusites remained in jerusalem because it doesn't seem to make sense it's just one sole tribe among this entire area of judah everything else was captured that they couldn't capture this so it would it would seem to be that they couldn't because the jebusites uh, asked for peace and if they asked for peace then you're not allowed to conquer them they have to stay there and that's just the way it is and we saw this last chapter uh, when we talked about the gishuri and we're going to see this in the future and as we see in several other locations that um, places and remember when we stated several chapters ago that No one made peace with Joshua that was talking about in Joshua's time None of the places that were offered peace took peace terms But remember when Joshua is, is right now is he's at the end of his career And and a lot of this takes place a lot of this settlement that we're discussing now takes place after Joshua is gone As they approached places that hadn't yet been conquered by Joshua and offered peace terms, some of them took the peace terms and therefore remained in the land. So um, that would conclude chapter 15. Thank you so much for studying chapter 15. Together looking forward to studying chapter 16 and the entire book of Joshua together.